Morning. Thank you. you. No, as I as I look around, I I don't see any uh, any gifts for the teacher or anything. Um, I I don't like apples particularly. Um, Cash. Whole bean coffee. But not just any coffee. See me later for details. I'm a bit of a snob. So here we are. Jesus, we thank you for uh, this place that we could meet this morning and, and receive from you, God, and offer to you uh, the praise and the, the honor and the, the love that you are so worthy of. And God, we just pray that uh, this morning that your word would have free course in this place, God, and that our hearts would receive it, and that you would uh, feed our souls you know, with this word prepared by the fire of the Holy Ghost. God, and that we would receive it in faith the way that you have given it to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Go with me to uh, Isaiah 26. thought that it would be cool to be more like Brandon, so hence, talking like this, you know, we should chill some time, hang out. No, actually, the other day when I woke up, I couldn't hardly talk at all, and uh, I feel fine, sound terrible, and uh, uh Eventually, the other day, Mike's like, maybe we should just put our headphones in and we'll just listen to music because I can't really hear you anyway. <laughs> okay. can do that. No. No. I think maybe he was tired of talking to me. After 28 years, he's probably had about enough of me. Um. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe we should boil this thing after I'm done with it. So, uh, I was reading in Isaiah 26 yesterday, and it's really hard to narrow it down about what to talk about. You know, I, I was beginning to see a little bit of, you know, like this must be what Ron feels like when he's reading the Word. It's like, well, do I stop there? Do I stop there? It's like, well, this is really good. <laughs> um, you know, because like Isaiah 26 starts out saying, and in that day, and I was like, well, what, what day? And so I back up and, and and ended up in in chapter 24 where it talks about God reigning from Zion and and uh, and that chapter starts out with him having turned the world upside down and shaking it and I was like okay good stuff you know and as you look around you can see that's indeed where where things are coming to be and uh, so. Uh, uh, I just ended up reading like through this whole big section, and I thought, "Wow, this is really good." And then I kind of stumbled on something else, and then I thought, "Well, now I don't know which one I should talk about." So I'm gonna talk about the other thing. <laughs> so I just wanted to toss that in there because, you know, as if if you uh, are watching the news or thinking about the elections or any other number of current events. Uh, 
Isaiah 24 through 27 is really quite encouraging. So, anyway, so I want to talk about being ordained today. No, and you know when you hear being ordained, you know you think of okay, this guy got you know passing grades in seminary, and he is now an ordained minister, or he paid the fee and filled out the form online, and now he's an ordained minister, so he can perform weddings. And the power vested into him by the internet guys. <laughs> now pronounce man and wife, you know. <clears throat> but uh, um, but you know to ordain something um, has another meaning and I think is is really more what the word is talking about and as opposed to what it has become. To ordain something, let me just read it, means to decree, to order, command, establish, dictate, prescribe and pronounce. So so what else is the word of God except for this ordination of of all creation because he speaks and it happens you know we just talked about this last week in and how his word has created power and he said in genesis let there be light and there was light there was no sun there was no led bulbs or cfl or any of that not even the good old fashioned ones but uh, that turn, that actually come on when you flip the switch instead of waiting 5 minutes but uh I love progress. You know, you know it's funny because you know I, with my job, I, I go into these houses that you know people have left, and now it needs painted. Somebody else is buying it or an apartment, and people now they take the light bulbs with them because they last forever and they cost a fortune. And so, like, well, I'm not leaving the light bulbs here. I'm taking these with me. Okay, great. Okay, so we'll just work in the dark then. But um, anyway, there was no sun, there was no lights, there just there, there was no source for it other than the Word of God. It said, "Let there be light." So, you know, he didn't have Gabriel over there to flip a switch. Like, you know, because how how many of you have done that? You know, the grand entrance. Let there be light. Anyway, so in Isaiah 26, in verse 12, and this whole thing is awesome. And so maybe actually I'll just go back to the beginning because it's really great. In in that day, okay, in Isaiah 24, 23, he says, the moon, the moon shall be confounded and the sun shall be ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before his ancients gloriously. So that's kind of day he, that's the day he's talking about here. And he says, in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open you the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. And uh, and I like, you know, perfect peace is a great statement. I like the way they, they said it in the Hebrew. It says, that will keep him in peace, peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. And, uh, and actually it says whose thought or imagination is, is stayed on me. So because how many of you have ever had your imagination kind of run away with you? Like, you know, you, <clears throat> when I was a kid, uh, I had this unreasoning terror 
of someone breaking in my house. And I lived on the very edge of town in a little dinky house. Like, when I was really little, my street was a dirt road, even though it was in town. And uh, everybody in my neighborhood had dogs that barked all the time. And so my parents explained all this stuff to me. It was like, well, this isn't really the na- kind of neighborhood that uh, a burglar is going to target. And if they did, uh, there are dogs everywhere. And they hate that because they make lots of noise. And besides that, we're all locked in here. The windows are locked. The doors are locked. You're good. But I had this unreasoning terror, as only a child can, that something was going to happen. And this one night, I was laying in bed. It was all quiet. And I still remember this, that I just kept hearing this noise. It sounded like somebody shuffling up and down the hallway. Just endlessly, back and forth, up and down the hallway. And I remember just laying in my bed, frozen, thinking, whatever they're going to do, why don't they just do it? Like, I can't handle the tension. And... uh I eventually realized that it was actually so quiet and as I was laying there and I could hear my blood rushing through my ears. Like I could actually hear the... And to me it just sounded like somebody in the hall. I was just sure that there was you know, some evil miscreant in my house. And then I got the word miscreant. Um, all right. So, um, it would have been nice to uh, have not not been heathen back then, because then I might have had some place to go. But uh, I was, uh, <clears throat> we were strangers and, and outsiders to the Commonwealth of Israel when I was a kid. So that will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, or in the Lord forever, for in Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. <clears throat> for he brings down them that dwell on high, the lofty city, he lays it low. He lays it low even to the ground, and he brings it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, and in the, the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. Our, the desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired you in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I will seek thee early. And when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness he would deal unjustly and will behold, not behold the majesty of the Lord. Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see and be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemy shall devour them. And you can definitely see that in the world around us, you know, because our nations had favor shown to it, and they wouldn't see. And, uh, and, and, but, you know, God is, is doing great things in the earth. And, and it's uncomfortable when you'd really like to just, you know, well, I kind of had this dream of, you know, living a nice, comfortable life in my nice little suburban neighborhood with my two children and no pets, or three children and no pets, and uh, and all that. And uh, you know, I know that life is not necessarily always like that. I know that 
lots of people uh, in the 40s would have liked to have just had a nice, normal, peaceful existence, but there were things to do. And so that's the thing that God has told us through His Word is that this is this world is not your home. This is a transient place. You're a pilgrim on your way to a city made without hands. So don't don't focus on getting comfortable here because there's more to life than than what you see here. <clears throat> so after having said all that, he says, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for you have wrought all our works in us. Uh, and in the, in the margin, if you have the keyword Bible, and, and in the Young's literal, he says, he says, you have wrought all our works for us. So, so there's this sense of being ordained. Then he has these these works that he has ordained. He has this peace for us that he's ordained, and and so it's like a decree, like I have, I have spoken. You know, and uh, you know, I use that at home all the time. I have spoken. It's like because I said so, and there ends the matter. And uh, um, sometimes the matter doesn't end there, and other measures must be taken to make sure that it ends there. But you know, the thing is, is God has intended peace for His people. He is, has ordained it. And so he has this city that we're all headed to. We're all headed to New Jerusalem, right? The city of peace. And so that, you know, I was telling my children this week. I don't quite remember how it came up, but I was telling them there is nothing in the world more valuable than peace. And people will do anything to have it. And, And so... Uh, I was just we were just kind of going over that a little bit. It's like you know, without God, peace is just a temporary thing that can be it can be obtained for a price, but it's hollow and and it's tentative and and you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know that this is eventually going to drop off, and then tomorrow you're going to be out desperately seeking for more peace. But in, in in Christ, there is a peace that uh, is just there, and it and it transcends circumstance. I mean, we all feel better when circumstances are good, and uh, who doesn't like that? You know, I like waking up with the bluebird of happiness on my shoulder, and all is right with the world. Click my heels on the way out the door, and but you know, uh, the the peace of God is is more than that. You know, because uh, I saw somebody had this great little plaque or whatever on the wall that said that that peace is not the absence of conflict; it's the presence of God. And and so it doesn't matter what might be the the problem, what might be the circumstance you're dealing with, that that there's a peace in God that comes from consciously. Uh, choosing to to believe what he says over what you see, over what you feel, over what you think, and so so he says here that he has ordained peace for us. He's decreed it, he has declared it, commanded it, prescribed it, and so so there it is. It belongs to you and me. So 
<clears throat> oh, this whole thing is so good. Um, I wasn't going to read any of this chapter because it's kind of a slippery slope. But, um, okay, uh, go with me over to um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> We're just going to touch lightly on this on the way somewhere else. I'm just going to read chapter 10, or verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So, you know, in the margin says prepared. That's a great word, too. Uh, but so, so he's ordained peace for us then, and he has also ordained that we would walk in these good works, the works that he's already wrought for us. Because he, he's already done all the work at Calvary. He, he, he bought your salvation and uh, at, at terrible cost. And, uh, and so with, with that purchase was this, this peace that he's ordained for you. And, and so he then has this plan because he doesn't just stop there. He, he has good works then that, that we walk in not because we went to Sunday school and learned how to do it, but because he has ordained them. Because he has he has things for us to do that, that he has, has ordained. And we all know that those those works, uh, according to James, are an outcropping of your faith. They they grow from your faith because if if you don't see anything any kind of actions forthcoming, any kind of fruit forthcoming, uh, then then your faith should be examined. But, um, you know, if, if you have to tell somebody that you're being honest, then they, chances are you have a reputation for not being so terribly honest. You know, when you have to explain something to somebody, uh, sometimes it kind of leaves you in, in question. And uh, and so, and that's kind of what James says. He's like, you know, you you tell me you've got faith, but I don't, I'm not seeing any any indicators of it. And so, so God has these good works then that He has ordained. And so, when your your faith is is in Him, then uh, then you find yourself just in these good works when you're paying attention to what He's would have you to do. You find these these good works just sort of happening because he has he has ordained it for you. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So, uh, how many of you have ever just been traveling through life and you somehow ended up at just the right place at just the right time, 
and just the right thing happened through no fault of your own. You know, that 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 is walking in those good works which he has before ordained that you should walk in them. So it's like we keep going back to this message that Don Pet preached in Georgia. It was awesome. But it's like he's already got this thing all set up and so all you do is walk it out. It's like it's when you sit down to watch a movie, you you already have a pretty good idea of what the ending is going to be. You know, particularly if it's uh if it's like a romantic movie or something, you know that it's going to be gut wrenching and that she's going to choose the doofus and and then everything is going to be this terrible mess and all the while you've got steady freddy over here that she should have picked the entire time but 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 she picks doofus because he's rich or or whatever and uh but before you know about two-thirds of the way three-quarters of the way through the movie she's going to realize this guy is a doofus then she goes back to steady freddy right and so you, you know that's going to happen when you sit down to watch the movie. You're just trying to figure out, okay, who's Doofus and who's Steady Freddy, you know. <laughs> but you, you you know what the ending is, but you're going to watch. And you're going to get sucked into it. And you're going to be on the edge of your seat. Is she going to choose the Doofus, really? <laughs> I can't believe this woman. I wish I could slap her, you know. But, you know. So, so... So God has this ending then for your life. He has this, this end, this aim, this purpose for your life. And, and you already know what it is because you can find it in the Word. And, and so it's merely a matter of you, just, you, you walk through all the stuff and, and you hang on to that promise that He's given you. Just like that, that message that Non-Pet preaches. Like he, he declares the end of it. And then he backs up, and then you just hang on to that that line that he's drawn from there to there, and you just get there. It's like being on a railroad track, you know. Typically, real uh, if you get on a train, it's going to end up at a certain place because it can't get off the tracks. You hope, and uh, so you know, faith is like that. This walking in these works that God has ordained is like that because uh, you get on the track and you're just going to end up where the tracks go. So so that's a good thing. So so he's ordained peace for us. He's ordained good works for us. And, uh, and so far I'm not really seeing anything that he's requiring of you to do. You do A, I give you B. So far this is I have declared... I have decreed peace for you. I have set up, I have established these works for you to walk in, and you're just going to walk in them. Uh, go with me to First uh, Peter chapter 1. You know, there's this old song, Peter, James, and John in a sailboat. And uh, I realize that if you, I always think of that and realize, okay, they're not in that order in here. It's James and Peter and John. So... I always, it helps me find it. So if you ever see me humming to myself, Peter, James, and John in a sailboat, that's why it's because I'm trying to find which, which one I want. And of course, everyone knows go eat popcorn or General Electric Power Company for Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So, 
saints. We all know those. They're great. Mnemonic devices are a brilliant thing. You know, as a, you know, I won't tell you the whole story. But but uh, Mike had to make this phone call once to Mediacom, and uh, he needed to memorize this little code the guy was giving him to clear the cache on his router or whatever. And he kept intentionally messing it up to drive the guy crazy. And, and uh, he, he finally, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a song. Because so, once he got it right for the guy, he's like, okay, yes, now, moving on. And so he, he's clicking away on the computer, and Mike's like humming this little song. I still remember it. Like five years later, I still So if you have Mediacom and you want to clear the cache on your box, it's red, red, blue, blue, yellow, green. So mnemonic devices work well. Okay. First Peter, chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be to you, and peace be multiplied. So that's good stuff, right? Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. So he knew from the very beginning, he knew more about you than you did. He, you know, how many of you come to those places where you just kind of think, you know, I just don't see myself, excuse me, making it through this successfully. I just, I don't, you know, I'd, like I know I'm here, but I just, I don't know. You know, God knows if you had a million chances what choices you would make. And so, according to that foreknowledge, then he has elected you to, to be a part of, of his body, to be a part of his people. And so, uh, through sanctification of the Spirit, being set apart by him, unto obedience and sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ, which is his obedience and sprinkling of the blood is how we, we enter in. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, (coughs) (coughs) that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So... That's a good good verse. We're all familiar with that. Nobody likes having your faith tried. But that would also be an evidence that it must be real faith, right? You know, uh, Spurgeon said that when you have your faith tried, uh, you find that there are things in your faith that aren't really faith. And they just just kind of burn away. They They shake off when you start shaking. And... And that's okay, because if it's not really faith, then you don't need it anyway. And you only need 
faith the size of a mustard seed, right? You know, I remember uh, David Terrell saying, "Man, Lord, you know, if that if you could do you know move mountains with a mustard seed of faith, what could a baseball size do?" What indeed? So, you know, God's not interested in the size of the vessel. I was just listening to this song on the way here where he talks about we often think that God only uses the qualified. But what God wants is somebody who just trusts Him and has a willing heart. So, um, Whom having not seen you love, in whom though you now see Him not, yet believing. And I like that because then there, there's that sense of circumstances not appearing to be what you're after, having though now you see him not yet believing, and you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Because, as I'm so fond of saying, faith is not a feeling; it's a conscious decision to believe the word of God over everything else. And and that's what happens to you when you get your faith tried is. You come down to this place where you have nothing else that you could hold on to. You know, I I remember going through something once that was was really difficult, and uh, this scripture in Job stood out to me that said, "Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him." So if you want to use that, you're welcome to. You're going to have to pay me for it, but because that is mine. No, but you know, when you sometimes you go through those places in life that really like this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't get this. And um you know, God knew you would be there. And and uh God knows how to get you into those places for his purposes and then bring you through those places uh better for it. And uh, and so though he slay you, yes indeed you can trust him. <clears throat> receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So there's that ending that you already know is coming. You already know that you're not going to end up with the doofus. You're going to end up with Steady Freddy. So, um, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who have prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us did they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So this is actually where I was going. That was just all really good. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So so here he's he's kind of starts talking about a little something to do, but it's not really something that you do in the sense of uh, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and get out my Sunday school enthusiasm. He says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves after or according to the former lusts of your ignorance, turning your back on the past, turning your back on the world, 
But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So here he gave you something to do. Being holy. Turning your back on, on the flesh and the, the love of the world. And... and um, Basically, what he's talking about here is cooperating with him in the thing that he's already ordained for you. Because he's already ordained peace for you. He's already ordained good works for you. He's already ordained righteousness for you. He's already paid for it. He's already declared that you are you are righteous uh, by his uh, atonement for you. So, So... So he's looking for cooperation and agreement here. And he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust of your ignorance, but as he that called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Let there be light. And there was light. You know, we've, we've talked about that before. You know, Matthew 5.48, be therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And... You, know, you look at that and think, well, I came pretty close. No, you know, we, we all understand that that we could never ascribe to that place. Like I, you know, I grew up uh, in the '80s, and you'd see people with those those like baseball caps that said "Pobody's Nerfect," you know, and <laughs> and uh, it's like indeed, perfectly what though? I mean, because you could be perfectly stupid. But um, I don't know. Anyway, um, so because God's word has creative power, it's like let there be light, be ye holy. And so, you know, what 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 was it we read in Romans last week about God calls those things which are not as though they were. So it's like he 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 speaks and it happens. And that is my dream for my house. I speak and it happens. Let my will be done, even as God's will is done in heaven. No. no, I know you guys are probably all thinking my children are terrible. No, they're actually very, very well behaved, precious little children. We were toying with the idea of whether or not we wanted to go to Jacob's surprise party last night, and uh, kind of decided at the last minute we were going to go partly because. When Levi heard us talking about it, I said that it was Melody's dad's birthday, and so her house, so Melody would be there. Then he insisted that we must go because he wanted to play with Melody. So, so precious little guy that he is. <clears throat> so, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work. And pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Fear of him, right? Not not fear as in uh, anxiety. Not not fear like this terror of the unknown. But the the fear of, of God. And and it's a precious thing because it says that he, he that he judges us without respect to persons. You know, and and it's funny because we all, every one of you could tell me that, every one of you could tell me that God is not a respecter of persons. But when you get deep down, what do you really think? And what's your knee-jerk reaction to that? It's like, well, 
course God, you know, loves them. And of course God would do for them because they're, you know, they're them. You know, but it's like, but no, he's no respecter of persons. If he if he would do it for them, he would do it for me. So he's a precious God like that. And so, so no one then is left outside of this uh, ordination of, of peace and, and righteousness and good works because he's not a respecter of persons. <clears throat> you guys have all heard me ramble about how how I wrestled with that idea of God being a respecter of persons. It's like, well, of course, you know, God, God's on her side. And, you know, it's like he does everything for her and whatever she needs. And <clears throat> I'm sure he would just love to, you know, stomp on me. He could just, you know, find the right opportunity when I'm not watching for it, you know. And it's like, it must be, what a, what a bewildering affront that must be to him. To think, how, why would they think that? Have I ever given them a reason to doubt me? Have I ever given them a reason to think that I would do something like that? Well, uh, no. I, I thought it might start. Um, you know, no. You know, no, God is, God is the same. He never changes. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world and was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. So, it's interesting because he says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And and then he goes into talking about, you know, you weren't redeemed by tradition and works and all this intellectual stuff. You were redeemed by the blood of Christ. So, so beware then, pass your time here in fear that you might forget that that you might think that that like Cain I could uh, I could do my best or I could I could bring in something that he that is not what he asked for and that and that he he's somehow going to be okay with that but to know that that your your righteousness and your salvation and your redemption and your good works and your peace all come from the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. That's the only thing. You know, when I when I go to the old folks' home, every time I'm there, you know, I tell them it doesn't matter if you know you loved your kids and paid your taxes and you're a, a really great person. The only thing that makes the pearly gates swing open is the blood of Jesus and nothing else. So, life lived for God, life not lived for God. That's you know, obviously you'd want to live your life for God, but if you didn't, you can't change that now. But what you can do is you can accept that blood of Jesus, and then you get the same reward as this guy over here that lived his whole life for God. As far as you're going to make heaven, you know, the the thief on the cross uh, went to paradise uh, with God that day, and he obviously had not really done done things right in his life. <clears throat> So he was foreordained before the foundation of the world to do this very thing. 
This was the purpose that God set out when He ordained peace for you, when He ordained those good works for you. This is why. This is how. This was the the uh, the mode if you, that He is was going to use to bring this to you, and, and so. So he was foreordained before the foundation of the world and manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So so your faith is not, not then in the silver and gold, not in the, the traditions that you received from your fathers. Your hope is in God. And, and, and the great thing about that is there's nothing bigger than him, nothing greater than him. So, uh, what what better thing to put your hope in? And the, this God that that loved you so much that he uh, that he he gave his only son. So how would he not, with him freely, give us all things? He's he's just he's got all this uh, all this grace and glory and peace. And and uh, uh, it's it's like it's like somebody giving you this great gift, and, and you're kind of afraid to take it because you're thinking that's really like oh I I couldn't accept that that's too much that's, that's far too extravagant, and and yet uh, if you've ever given somebody something that they felt like was extravagant, that is like the most fun thing. <laughs> Ever, it, it, it's a great feeling. It's it really you can see how people that are generous how they get that way when you start kind of toying around with it a bit, you know. Because I I didn't grow up generous at all, and the idea I didn't have to share with anybody because it was just me. And uh, so if I had something, it was mine, you know. And I grew up and I. You know, it's still sort of that way. I, I understood as an adult, well, you know, sharesy daresy, you know. But but to say that I was generous, no, not at all. And uh so then I have this business with Mike. And we share this thing fifty fifty and and he's like, Hey, what do you think about you know, doing such and such for so and so? Like, yeah, that that's a great idea. I never thought of that. It's like, hey, I heard about this thing. What do you think about doing something about that? I, that's a great idea, and it got it gets to be a genuine addiction. It's like, wow, this is really great. What else could we do? You know, and so it's and it's just only God can do those kinds of things. But when you give somebody something like that 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 feels so out of reach uh, for them, and, and you can just give it to them, it's really a Precious, precious thing, and and so so God has given you something far more than that, something that you could never attain to, something you could never, ever, ever get, and and He just gave it to you, and and so what He what He wants then is for us to have that hope in God that we could indeed take hold of it, and and no matter what anybody else said, no matter what anybody else thought, you know, Mary. Didn't care anything about what Simon was thinking when she broke the alabaster box. Yeah. She didn't care what anybody else thought, and uh, all she was concerned about was showing Jesus how much she appreciated what He had done for her, 
this thing that she could never attain to that he had, had given to her. She wanted to give back to him. <clears throat> Seeing that you purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which lives and abides forever. I seem to recall a band that sounded something like that. Um, incorruptible seed, then, this this uh, this champion seed. You all know this. You could say it right along with me. This champion seed harvested from the cross of Calvary. And then God put it in you. And you can... You know, you can want any kind of tree, but if you plant an acorn, you're going to end up with an oak tree. And if you plant the the seed of God in you, you're not going to get something else. You're going to get that. You're going to get the Spirit of God growing up inside you. It's, that's just how it works. Because in, in the very beginning, in Genesis, God ordained that the seed would bring forth after its kind. So so you don't get any surprises unless you have this kind of mystery bag of seeds. Like, let's just plant these and see what, what happens. So being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, <clears throat> which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. You know, that incorruptible seed is a really precious thing. You know, and uh, in First John, in 3 and 5, he both both of those places he touches on the incorruptible seed. In 1 John 3, 9, he says that... Um, that he that is born of God does not commit sin, and he cannot because his seed remains in him. So your flesh, sure, but your spirit cannot because it's born of him. So you're not going to get this um, distorted, mutated kind of seed coming, uh, or this this aberration of a plant growing up out of the seed that he planted. <clears throat> So, uh, and he mentions it again in five, and uh, and it's fantastic. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but so so then, all about the only thing there that God gave us gave us to do, and all that stuff I just read was basically to just agree with Him, just cooperate, agree, believe, and you know when you when you get pregnant. It just sort of happens. And once it just sort of happens, then it just keeps happening until you get to that moment. And there's no no turning back, no stopping to take a nap. Well, well, actually, that did happen when Cynthia was in labor with Levi. He, he decided he wanted to hang out for a while after he told us he was coming. <laughs> we go to the hospital. It's the middle of the night. And everything sort of stalls out, and they're like, "Well, you're you're definitely in labor. It just seems to have kind of stalled out. So you want to like take a nap, and we can do this later." <laughs> so I mean, that that worked out pretty cool. By by then, we were all ready for a nap. 
No, but you know the thing is, is it's not like she wasn't going to have the baby. Like, it's like he he's in there and he's coming out, and and that's just all there is to it. And it was like having the same baby twice because he looked just like Jeremy did. I was like, have to look at the pictures to see how much do I weigh in the pictures. So I can figure out which kid it is. So <clears throat> no, but you know, so God does those things. He ordains the things, and. And when he when he speaks, it happens. When, and uh, you know his his word has that kind of creative power, so you can you can trust that. And you know I I, uh, I heard somebody uh, once that uh, they had some sort of prophecy for somebody that they didn't appreciate, and they basically just let them have it in front of the church. You know, prefaced with "Thus saith the Lord." And they ended it by saying, put that in thy pipe and smoke it. And, uh, okay, okay. And, you know, but that stuck with me. And so I like to tell that to the devil. It's like, well, you know what? I'm born of incorruptible seed. He's ordained peace for me. And he is or he's already set up all these, these good things for me to walk in. And I'm just going to walk in because I'm in him. I live and move and have my being. So put that in thy pipe and smoke it. So... So anyway, oh Lord, we just praise you for meeting with us in this place and for all of your exceeding great and precious promises. And God, we just pray that today uh, that faith would be loosed in this place to take hold of your word. Lord God, that uh, that here inside the walls, God, we would um, feel that sense of peace and assurance, God, that would go with us from this place today. God, that, that we would receive from you that refreshing from on high, that you would pour out on us those things that we need, that you would nourish our souls, God, and that we would bring to you uh, those uh, offerings of, of praise and thanksgiving, God, um, agreeing with you that your your word is true, and and choosing consciously to to take hold of those things and to believe those things, not just for the people around us, but for ourselves as well. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.